0: Anytime that you're going through the challenge, remember, you're learning something, you're growing. So embrace the suck. We all go through it. You know a hardship's coming. You know adversity is coming. Don't be surprised by it. Just accept it and figure out what can you learn from it so that you don't have that same mistake again. Or if it happens again,
1: you know how to address it. Join our movement to get a million people each day to commit acts of kindness for others. Together, we're going to make the world a better place. Are you ready? Because it's time for your Daily Helping. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Daily Helping Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Richard, and we have an awesome guest with great insights and really cool stuff to share with you today. His name is... J.M. Ryerson, he's a mindset coach, host of Let's Go Win, a podcast, and author of the best-selling books, Let's Go Win, The Keys to Living Your Best Life, and The Champion's Daily Playbook. He coaches athletics, executives, and leaders on peak performance and how to live their best lives with a passion of helping people succeed at work, at home, and balance those two things welcome to the show jam this is going to be awesome and helpful to everybody
0: it's great to have you Ah, dr richard Ah, i appreciate it brother it should be a lot of fun and uh just excited to be on the show man excited to work with your audiences and bring some value today
1: well what, what you're talking about is exactly what makes my my heart sing about you know bringing balance helping people live their best lives so i do this with all my guests tell us uh let's peel back the the onion a little bit here Tell us your superhero origin, what got you on this path that you're on today? Yeah, man, this is my
0: fourth company that I've been a part of. The first three was really building teams in the financial service world. And if you ask me a question about any financial service product, I'm going to be the last one you should probably ask because that just wasn't my passion, but I loved working with teams, I loved leadership. And so I constantly was reading books and just discovering more and more. And what I decided to do is, you know what, Let's go ahead and, and I started writing the first book for my two kids because I wanted them to maybe not skin their knees as much as I did growing up. So that was a purpose and intent and that just ended up launching into Let's Go in the company and and so that's just what it is man and I bring a real simple I guess flair to everything that I do because I think the world's complicated enough so I'm just trying to simplify it a little bit, help people make things a little bit easier on themselves to achieve, like you said, the work life balance and really be able to exceed
1: and succeed in their uh, in professional and per- personal lives. So and that's we know that that's more important than ever. And we're starting to see data points come out from COVID-19 with respect to, you know, people being at home, but not having separation between work and kids. And, mental illness, certainly depression, and anxiety have skyrocketed. Domestic violence has skyrocketed. And you said you keep it simple, which I love. Let's get into what you do in terms of the work life balance and how people can utilize that if they're listening to this to start making some changes and make their lives better.
0: Yeah. Specific to like COVID-19 and the whole pandemic. I mean, there's one simple thing you can do. What are you feeding your brain? Are you Immediately waking up in the morning, popping on the TV, going to social media. Guess what? It is going to be pretty negative. And that is just a fact. It's not, I use social media. I do look at the news, but I do it on my own. And I make sure to really filter what I'm bringing into my life because of what you talked about. Because mental illness has at least become more prevalent, I would say, because I don't think people have the outlet that they used to have. They're not able or haven't been able to socialize and to express themselves, and then they lost their routine, so they stopped going to the gym, they started eating possibly differently, and so if you're not really cognizant of what you're doing, of making sure that you're taking care of yourself, make sure that you're taking care of your mind, your body, and your soul every single day, yeah, man, that stuff can build up, and absolutely, next thing you know, it's CNN that's talking for you, or Fox, and I don't care which side of the aisle you're on, it's just really Not having their agenda be yours, and so being just diligent about what you're feeding yourself, I think, is so important, specific to the mental
1: aspect of what we're talking about on a daily basis. So, this is great stuff, and so you're talking about feeding yourself, and you're not just talking about food here, you're talking about consumption of media, talking about things that influence you. So, let's take that a step further, and and we could dive a little bit deeper. Let's talk about how to restrict and why we need to these sources of data, whether they're from socials or TV or people, whatever they are into our lives.
0: I think the main thing is you want your agenda to be to serve whatever you're trying to accomplish. So most of us, we just want to be happy in life. I mean, that's like number one. The goal is I want to be happy. Yes, I want to have a successful business, successful family, but the truth is we really want to be happy. So you have to stop and ask yourself, is this making me happy? I.e., is this reading the newspaper? And that's kind of antiquated now, but let's say, is this turning on CNN? Is this making me happy? It doesn't mean you can't be informed. It just means are you creating habits that aren't necessarily serving you? And so constantly checking in and saying, look, I go to Facebook today. What? What is the purpose? I want to check in on my friends. I want to reconnect. I want to, you know, celebrate them. Cool. Or is it, I want to dive into this deep tunnel of negative, 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 which you can do very quickly. Any and all of us can. And here's the reason why. And this is not to skewer media. That is not the point. But. They know that negativity sells far more than positivity. They're not saying, hey, listen to Dr. Richard's show because it's going to make you uplifting. That's not the way it works. They're saying, look, there was this murder over here. There was this big event over here. And and so if you're not checking in to say, is this serving me? It may not be. And so it's just something to be aware of. Be, Be constantly asking yourself, why do I do this? And if the answer is to be happy,
1: make sure that you're doing that. Well, it's interesting what you said about Facebook, because that world is more subtle. What they do, everybody has known for decades, I mean, that that movie that came out in the 70s Network, in a lot of ways, it still holds true today. You know, the the media, and this is not tinfoil hat stuff, but the media is basically driven by advertising revenue. And we know, as you said, that negative stories... Get you tuned in more than positive stories, because if you're in a state of anxiety, in a state of fear, you're hoping to listen because maybe there's some a glimmer of a solution if you keep listening or information that you think you might learn. And the TV world knows this. That's why there's no stories or rare, rarely stories of the people rescuing kittens from trees and you know stories of you know, violence and shootings and things that are supposed to rile you up. But the social world is a little bit different because a lot of times that negativity, that cycle of information that will have you in a state of fear or depression is from the people who are in your peer groups, are your friends, are your loved ones. So, what advice would you give to people as they take a look at their friends list and say holy cow that's true
0: well the first thing i would say is are you actually willing to listen to your friend group and if you are cool even if you oppose so let's say my sister and i we have completely different views in so many areas especially politically where it's like She has one really staunch, you know, stance over here and mine is the other, but here's the difference. I love her. I'm willing to listen. That doesn't mean I'm going to agree with her, but it's not so polarizing that now I'm going to throw darts back and fight. That's what I see so often on social. It's so disappointing because what I would like to see is let's have an open conversation. I don't care what side you sit on. Can we talk about it? and then just have an open dialogue and conversation, that doesn't mean I'm ever going to change your opinion or belief. In fact, that is one common thing I've found throughout my life. I've never really changed someone's belief. Only they can do that. Now, I can say, here's my viewpoint, and you could say, I disagree, and you know what? Cool, you're my friend, and if you're truly my friend, we should be able to have that. But so often, if you put something out there the minute that goes out onto this platform, now the other side is just gonna hammer you with why you're wrong, why your your take is incorrect. And the, the problem is there, Dr. Richard, is now it's feeding, again, a negative narrative. Instead, and this is where picking and choosing who you really do want to interact with, associate with, is so important in our daily lives. It's just making sure, is this person bringing me up? or are they bringing me down? And there's really no in between, in my opinion. People either lift you up or they bring you down. So you need to be very, again, cognizant. You need to be
1: very aware of who am I surrounding myself with? And you know, they, there's the age old Jim Rohn quote, there's neuroscience to support this. So we know that your peer group is a significant influence on one's success, on one's happiness. So in, in your experience, when people identify, oh, this this friend or even this family member, you know, and this can be on a spectrum, right? Some can be bringing them down, you know, a bit and some could be wildly toxic to them. What are some of the strategies that you would advise people implement so that they can break the chain, so to speak, and limit those people's influence in life or, or even remove them? Yeah, Dr. Richard, it's a great question, and this is one that people
0: don't typically like to do, but you just, you got to hear it, setting boundaries. And this so often will happen with immediate family members where, look, love mom and dad, but perhaps in one area, mom really brings me down. And I'm my mother's a saint, so that's a poor example for me, but let's say she did. I need to make sure that I set boundaries in this particular area so that I don't allow that to happen. Because the truth is, I love my mom. I wanna make sure she's important in my life. However, if in this particular area, so let's say, again, it was, let's say it was a religious thing. Let's say I was raised Catholic. I consider myself to be more of a Buddhist at this point. If we got onto the subject of that, it probably wouldn't go well because I don't go to church every Sunday. That's important to her. So setting the boundaries say, mom, I respect that going to Catholic church, Catholicism lifts you up. It wasn't that same for me. So I choose a different path and we just, that's the boundaries that we have. And then again, it's just having that. This is where I stand. This is where you stand, but let's be clear. I love you. That is never going to change. Now, having business partners, best friends, you need to be aware and say, again, uh, am I pleased with where I'm at in life? If not Are there people around me that are helping me lift me up or are they bringing me down? And that is not like you talked about with Jim Rohn. That's not an easy thing to do. Looking in the mirror and saying, look, these are the five people that best represent me. Do I like that? And I have to tell you about 10 years ago, I didn't like what I saw in the mirror. So I was very, very strategic about going forward to find people that did lift me up and changing that. Five closest people. That doesn't mean my acquaintances can't still be in my life. That doesn't mean they can't still be a part of it. It just means that I've set boundaries and I don't necessarily let them affect me on a daily
1: basis. Hey guys, Dr. Richard here. For the past seven years, I've been privileged to bring you incredible guests who are changing the world and can help you become the best version of yourself. So let's talk about those boundaries specifically because that's really where the rubber meets the road here. How do you set up effective boundaries? And it's probably, there's people listening to this saying, well, easier said than done. We're talking about immediate family members. We're talking about people that I've been friends with for many, many years. So how do we go about creating and maintaining those boundaries? I'll give you a great
0: example. Uh, Your home, that should be your haven. That should be your safe place to always have. Now, let's say you have a friend that is somewhat toxic, maybe not even with you, but let's say with your partner, your wife, whoever that may be. You should not allow them then to visit you in your home if that's bringing that negative energy. That doesn't mean you can't see them look, set the boundary that when I see, let's, we're going to call him Todd today. Todd is toxic and Todd brings uh, poor energy to the relationship for my wife and I, because we end up talking about Todd the whole time and what he brings to the table. Instead, the boundary would be, you know what? Love Todd, but Todd can't come to my home. I will meet Todd out at a restaurant at, uh, you know, playing basketball, whatever Todd and I enjoy doing, but bringing that into my safe haven Bringing that around my family members, especially if that's who who Todd would be affecting, that's a simple way to say, you know what, Todd, I love you, but we're going to meet outside of. And you don't even have to tell Todd. Todd would probably never even know. You just make a concerted effort to meet elsewhere,
1: not at the home. And what if that isn't as effective as you would like, that there's still the toxicity and negativity around a person like Todd, even though you've kept him from infiltrating your Haven, how do you, how do you then gently get rid of Todd? I mean, that's the easiest part. And unfortunately is
0: you just start to fade away. Uh, Typically people do not like confrontation. So it's, it would be rare for Todd to say, Hey J.M. I noticed that you haven't called me. If Todd does, you can have that conversation. If you truly care about Todd in this example, where you say, you know what, Todd, I love you brother, but this is what's happening in my world. Because of X, Y, and Z. You're not calling or labeling Todd anything. You're just saying, because of this behavior, because of this, it's creating this in my life. And any good friend will say, you know what? I'm so sorry. I had no idea that was happening. So perhaps if you're not willing to have that conversation with Todd, Todd doesn't even know it's happening. And I've had this happen many times where you say, look, you may not know this is happening, but when you say X, this is what gets created in my world. And now I'm Doing all this extra effort to spend time with you, Todd. I don't like to do that. Can we curb this behavior? Or this just isn't going to work any longer. And typically that they will, again, when somebody gets put in a corner like that, they're going to make one of two choices. They're either going to fight back and say, I want you in my life. I will change that behavior. Or you know what? Forget you, JM. I'm out of here. You're not worth my time. And both, unfortunately, is okay. But again, the most important people in your life, which would be typically your your most immediate family, you wanna make sure those relationships are solid and you don't want an outside influence
1: to affect those negatively. Good, good sound advice. And I wanna shift gears a little bit because we've addressed a real biggie here with making sure the people in your world are gonna be those that have your best interest at heart, energetically are not going to bring you down. And it's very obvious when somebody's life just flat out is awful. They hate their job. Their relationship, if they're in one with their significant other, is just wildly toxic. But for most other things, it may not be as in your face. It may be subtle, and you might not even recognize that you're not living your best life. So share with us if you could, JM, some of these other signposts that somebody listening to this might be able to identify some ways in which, hey, you know, they're not living their best life. And then let's talk about some tips on how to improve those things. Yeah. So there's a few things is always
0: checking in. Well, how am I doing in certain areas of my life? How am I doing in my professional career? Asking that question is something to constantly be doing. How am I doing in my intimate relationships? How am I doing in my spirituality? How am I doing in my adventure and my hobbies? And there's a list of these that I do on a monthly basis to check in, to say, how am I doing now? let's say golf is an important hobby to me and it makes me happier as a human being, but I haven't been golfing for, I don't know, three months. Perhaps this is something I should put back into my life because here's what happens. If you're not doing that hobby, you're typically bringing that negative energy into your other uh, areas of life, into your relationships, into your business. And so, so often when I'm coaching clients, I'll have them tell me, uh, I'll ask them, Hey, what do you really, you know, what's some of your outside interests? Uh, and golf is one I hear a lot, especially from the the male side. And they'll say, but you know what? I can't afford to spend four hours away from my family. And so often the, the the answer is you can't afford not to because you're not feeding that adventure side that you need so much, that social side that we need so much. You are now bringing negative energy as a parent or as a, again, a spouse or or partner and that's not fair to them either. So you actually can't afford not to go golf because you know what? That golf is important to you. I'm not saying to do it four times a week. I'm saying make sure to check in that area. So it's, it's asking questions, Dr. Richard, that I constantly do is how am I doing? How am I feeling? Is anything missing right now? And being able to be open with myself. The other thing that I do constantly and all of the clients I work with is journal. Just journal what's happening in your life. What am I thinking right now? How is my life going? Because the one thing I know about paper, it has never once judged me. Never one time has it come back and said, JM, you're crazy or JM, you're awesome. It doesn't say anything. It literally just accepts what you put on paper. And if you decide to share with someone else, okay, sure. Then somebody could possibly judge it. But specific for you to get this stuff out of your head, to make sense of what's going on, so often, just putting it on paper, then you'll go, "Oh my gosh, it wasn't that big a deal." Or, "Wow, this is something I need to explore further. whether I need to talk to someone, write more about it, meditate on it. Whatever your thing is, allowing yourself that freedom to to dump and purge from your brain is so important.
1: Well, I love that you shared that because this is actually something that's often used in a clinical setting in therapy because it's a beautiful, non-judgmental way for people to do exactly that and and not only does this stream of consciousness identify beliefs and and things that you may or may not want to address you can find patterns in yourself as you're going back and you're reading your journal and looking one week back one month back one year back and you say huh well these are the same kind of issues that have been there which is really cool and you might discover a lot of self-limiting beliefs that you didn't even know you have that are just kind of subtly there, but not so much in your face, which you can address. And I think that's a good place for us to talk about too, because I know that mindset is such a big part of what you do in changing people's negative mindsets. So you've been doing this for so many years If somebody is able to discover via journaling or feedback or introspection, however, however it is that we identify some of these self-limiting beliefs that we may possess, what are some strategies that we can use to correct them and move past them? Yeah. So the first thing is
0: recognizing them, as you said, so, so many of our self-limiting beliefs, we literally inherited from parents, grandparents, they they got passed down generationally. And whether you realize it or not, you accepted those from a very early age. So release the judgment from yourself. It's not your fault, quote unquote, but it's okay. I I recognize that I have this challenge and then go seek out. So let's say it's a money thing. Okay. This is a pretty common one that that I have seen where people have inherited their parents or their grandparents' philosophy with money. In fact, this was one for me. And once you realize, okay, this was actually dad's point of view where the pretty people lived and went to the country club or made a lot of money. For me, the first time I made a significant amount of money, I felt bad. And what I realized is why do I feel bad? So I just, I would go ahead, again, write it out, then I would ask myself, what is bad about the money? What am I doing with it? Well, actually, I'm giving back more to charity now. I'm creating jobs for other people. So why is it negative? And then you, once you start figuring out that whatever the thoughts were, whatever the beliefs were, they are not necessarily yours, then you can go to work finding other resources, whether that's a podcast, books, other successful mentors that you can talk to, to ask them, Hey, I have this relationship with money. Is there anything uh, you can give me advice wise? And the, most of the time that mentor would say, yeah, the more you make, the more you can help someone out immediately changing that mindset. And it allows you, and that's the work that you hear people talk about in self-development. That is the work of finding other people to talk to, reaching out to to these resources, whether it's books or podcasts, and we have so much available to us. Those are the positive things we can absolutely flood our brain with
1: versus, again, some of the negative stuff that's out there. I love that. You mentioned the resources, you mentioned podcasts being one of them. And I know you're very well known for your show, the Let's Go Win podcast. So tell us a little bit about that show. Yeah, man. Let's go win podcast. It's
0: literally my favorite form. And here's why I get to meet amazing people like Dr. Richard. I get to meet amazing former athletes or current athletes, executives, but here's the best part. You get to, or the part of our show is we ask about their story. Tell me about how you got to this place. Tell me about the hardships you've faced because so often people see someone that's successful and they're like, oh, that's because John has just you know, wildly successful or Sarah was this prodigy. No, there's a lot more to the story. There's a lot of work that they put in. There's a lot of sacrifice and sharing those stories, the hope and the reason let's go win exists in at all is to inspire people to live their best lives. So I want to tell those stories and it's not always unicorn sunshine and rainbows. Look, there's some dark times, but in order to see the light, you have to go through that dark period as well. And so I call it embracing the suck. Sometimes you just got to embrace the suck. And if you think back for a moment, some of my best times were when I was absolutely struggling. When I had not hardly a nickel to my name, my wife and I used to put a couch, two couches together, and we would watch Sunday football, have mac and cheese and peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, and we would cry laughing. Now, didn't have anything to my name, didn't literally have an asset. I think I had a truck at that point and that was about it. But you know what? I was free. I was with someone I loved. And at the time, I remember wanting all the things that I, you know, have maybe achieved now, but I look back now and I say, wow, that was a really freeing moment. So anytime that you're going through the challenge, remember you're learning something, you're growing. So embrace the suck. And that's that's something that I we all go through it. You know a hardship's coming. You know adversity is coming. Don't be surprised by it. Just accept it and figure out what can you learn from it, so that you don't maybe
1: have that same mistake again. Or if it happens again, you know how to address it. Beautifully said. And you might have just addressed the question I'm about to ask you. But this time has flown by, and I can't believe we're at the end. But as you know, I wrap up my episodes by asking my guests a single question. And Jam, that is, what is your biggest helping? The most important piece of information you'd like somebody to walk away with after hearing our conversation today?
0: The most important thing, so not to repeat what I said, is just to be you, to be authentic, to be vulnerable, and know who you are. Because trying to be someone you're not, that takes a lot of energy. That takes so much. It drains you. And you Everyone has a gift inside of them. I truly believe that. And if you allow it to shine through those people that we talked about, those people that we want to lift us up, you will attract them if you bring your true authentic self out. So take the mask off. I do talk about that in the book. Take that mask off, man. That's for a party. That is not for living. Be you. And those that want to be around you, they are going to lift you up. They are going to embrace who you are and it allows your, Beautiful self to just flourish, help so many people around the world instead of trying to look or act a certain way. And that would be the biggest helping I can give
1: is just be you because it is amazing. The world deserves to see it and you deserve to show it. I love that. JM, where can people find you online and learn more about what you're up to? Yeah, brother, I appreciate that. Uh, let's go win.com or uh, let's
0: go win 365 on any of the social media outlets. Uh, check it out again I know I said social media maybe has some negativity that's one thing about if you follow let's go win 365 it's positivity man and it's not that we don't talk about some challenges but we bring a solution to the table so I'd love to interact with any of your
1: audience members and Dr. Richard thank you so much brother I had a great time today Absolutely. I did as well. And we're going to link to everything J.M. was talking about in the show notes at TheDailyHelping.com. But again, J.M., great to have you here. Really appreciate your time. And I also appreciate every one of you who chose to spend part of your day listening to this episode. If you like what you heard, go give us a follow on Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review because that helps other people find this show. But most importantly, go out there today, do something nice for somebody even if you don't know who they are and post it in your social media feeds using the hashtag mydailyhelping because the happiest people are those that help others